0: Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hello, friends, and welcome to a very special episode of Thoughtful Wellness Revolution. This is normally a pop culture episode, but today is my birthday and content warning, uh, suicide, suicide ideation, self-harm, mental health. Um, it's my birthday and we're talking about suicide, baby. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. This is such a weird episode to be hyped about but
1: uh,
0: (laughs) here I am and here we are. (laughs) Unfortunately last week we lost another public figure, uh, DJ Steven Twitch Boss uh, to Suicide. If you do not know who he was, he was a DJ who for many years was the DJ for the Ellen DeGeneres show. He was on I don't know whether it's, so you think you can dance or one? Yeah. Yeah. So you think you can dance? Um, He did a lot of other stuff that I actually don't know about. Yeah. if you want to fill that in, um, if you have anything off the top of your head. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, But uh,
1: unfortunately
0: his wife reported, or I don't know, someone reported
1: that he, um, I don't, know what the correct term is here now because we are
0: kind of moving through what would have been quote-unquote committed suicide died by suicide I believe is the proper term now um last week and I am a person who struggles with suicidality and have for many years of my life. And I think this is an important topic. And I said to Hien, let's talk about it. And she said, LOL, I am a mental health mess, nightmare all the time too. That's not what she said to me. She is a kind, gentle soul who doesn't speak about herself like that, which is great. Um, But she was like, let's do it. And so,
1: yeah. Hien, what were your thoughts when you first heard about this?
2: Well, to be honest, when I first heard about it, um I felt numb because the more I hear about public figures liberties dying by suicide, um, the more numb I become because I, and it's not because like, I don't have a heart and I don't care about people. Um, It's because the conversations surrounding that make me want to go numb because it's very, it's very, um, people saying a lot about nothing. It's very, and it's been that way since, you know, for years now, like I'm just, and I don't, I don't want to think over all the like celebrity suicides or famous people suicides or whatever because that's just gonna be like such a bummer but like it's it's kind of the same theme I feel like it's like somebody who people look up to with admiration and think you know many of us may even be envious of the life we think they have like their lifestyle and all their accomplishments Um, and and for people to see someone like that like actually I guess, like, not overcome, not win in the end. It makes him say really weird things, like, really pointless things. And so I feel like the last few days since I heard about his death, it hasn't really been even about him. It's, like, the conversation around how people talk about, like, suicide and depression. And so that's that's how I feel. I'll leave it at that for now if you want to maybe say more about what you've been seeing people say and reactions and such
0: yeah um i as well was very disheartened by a lot of the response that was initially coming out um i saw a lot of but he looked so happy and i did follow him on tiktok i mean i guess i do technically still follow him and his wife on tiktok um and they're like, oh, but it's it's always the happy dancing videos and he's smiling and he has kids and he has someone who loves him. And a lot of check on your strong friends, which is one of my most hated phrases. Because uh, a lot of people who love me have always said, oh, but you're so strong when I talk about my struggles. And that it's like, cool, I'm suffering in silence. And I'm screaming, throw me a life jacket. And you guys are like tapping me on the head, going, you'll be fine, you won't drown. Uh, And that is obviously not a dig at anyone in my life because I have an amazing support system at this point in my life and I have really good friends. Um, But it is just a commentary on how we as a society deal. And I think deal is a really gross word Um, with people who struggle with depression and suicidality and suicidal ideation
1: and self-harm it's yeah and so I think when people
0: are talking about the loss of someone to suicide the conversation like you said it's a lot of platitudes it's a lot of like oh, we're gonna miss your smile. And uh, we wish you could have been happy. And, uh, you know, we, we we wanted you around or whatever it is, but it's like,
1: <laughs> the thing is, is when
0: those people, and by those people, I mean me <laughs> and other people, like all of us, When when people are talking about struggling There, You're met in society and from other people, from people you know well and people who love you and mean well and people who don't fucking know you and don't mean well and don't know any better. Uh, There becomes an instant creation of a divide. I haven't seen a lot of... Now I have because I follow, apparently, a lot of people who struggle with uh, suicidality. But uh, seeing a lot of people... Sorry, I got distracted. Um, but it's creating, like, a divide of, like, an us versus them. And I think a lot of people that happens with when they bring up that they have suicidal ideation or any experience with, like, depression and, like, mental health, it becomes, uh, I can't understand that. And I don't even know if it's a real thing, almost. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> And if you have not experienced depression, please count yourself lucky because those of us, you don't understand what it's like. A lot of people understand what it's like to live your life trying to protect yourself from something that wants you not to be alive and thriving. We live under capitalism. It happens every day. But a lot of people don't understand what it's like to be fighting for your life against yourself. Um, I think... Yeah, that's a very misunderstood concept that creates a lot of division. And I think that it reminds me a lot of the way people talk and think about disability and chronic illness because, and
1: depression is a chronic illness. It is a disability um, where
0: people want to believe it can't happen to me. So if I like acknowledge it or empathize with it or try to understand it in any means, I'm opening myself up to it. And it's like those casual thoughts, I don't know if they're everyone's casual thoughts, but they're like casual thoughts of like, Oh, I wish I got into a car accident and I didn't have to deal with this anymore. Or like if someone would just like murder me, it'd be fine. Or like that casual shit, like that's suicidal ideation, my friends um it doesn't just come in the form of like you know and there's like I wish I didn't wake up I wish I didn't have to deal with it like it it's casual it's and I'm sure most people have experienced something along that line you know more people than they would like to admit uh yeah Hien do you have much to say about how people have been talking about suicide in
2: the news lately well I kind of feel like it's interesting because maybe I'm lucky that my algorithm and feed tends towards people who are more critical of the responses or, you know, adding different perspectives to the responses versus then like just the, the usual platitudes. But, you know, I've been seeing people talk about how like the saying of like, check on your strong friends isn't enough because um, a lot of times your supposedly strong friends, if we're going to call it that, they will come off strong because you don't know how to act when they are honest and vulnerable with you. Um, And so that's kind of what I've been seeing, you know, where people are kind of like, please stop just going around saying check on your strong friends. And then like, you know, maybe sharing like one hotline number kind of thing like and thinking like oh gosh I did the, I'm good right like I this is it right um because it is of course more nuanced and complicated than that and it's not bad to say to share resources but it it just really makes me think about how like a lot of people are not I guess skilled enough to just even sit with someone when they're not feeling good um and so I think about it, gosh. And I just want to say, you're so real for sharing those examples of like the casual suicide stuff. Cause I'm like, oh shit, that's me. I think like that all the time. But like, I don't, I don't even consider that like, like suicide, reality, or um, ideation because I'm like, oh, that's just part of like my, fa- the fabric of my brain. I think about that. Like, I was just like all the time. So I just think it's really funny. Uh, and I just want people to know, like, don't be worried. I, I'm i very well resourced in terms of like mental health support right now in my life. But definitely I have felt times with my mental health struggles, how hard it is just to get someone to like, listen to you and not feel like you have to spin. I always feel like if I'm going to share that I'm not feeling good, it's going to make the other person so uncomfortable that I have to spin it out to be something positive or like that it's not as bad. And I wonder, like, gosh, how many people, how many of us are dealing with that right now because we can't, for some reason, just sit with each other and be with each other when people, when someone says, like, I'm not feeling good right now. Like, I'm very deeply unhappy right now. I don't want to be here right now. Like, just, just to, like, take that in. And a lot of people just can't. Like, they don't have the skills or they don't have the capacity Uh, It might be because for themselves, they don't have the capacity to hold that for themselves, right? Um, And so that's just some of the things I've kind of been seeing and been thinking about is like, yeah, it's not really helpful to just check on your strong friend if when they try to be honest with you, you get uncomfortable and make them feel bad um, for having feelings at all, for struggling. And I don't think people are like malicious. I don't think people intend to make their strong feel- friends feel bad, but it's just like I guess that's what I would say. It's like lack of skills and lack of resources to actually help people be more like people being all of us. We just be more equipped with like handling hard feelings. Um, because we don't live in a society that seems to want to care for our well-being. That's that's my that's my take. <laughs>
0: um Yeah, that's an excellent take. And I agree with so much of what you said. And I I do think it really comes down to, I want to harp, not harp, but like second, like, agree with, I'm trying, I'm losing words. Um, I want to agree with that point that it is truly like, not that people are I don't think people are malicious and I have had so many friends who mean well who have left me feeling isolated and alone in those spaces because like you said you do feel like you I I mean I don't want to be here but it's fine I'm fine everything's gonna be fine and it's and it's like I so that they feel uncomfortable and I think
1: because this is something I've really been working on and something I wasn't, I'm,
0: I'll share it in a minute. Um, but I think it really comes down to regulation. You know what I mean? Like we talk a lot about, oh, check on your strong friends. And it's like, no, learn to stay regulated. So when your strong quote unquote friend tells you, I don't want to be here right now. Life is feeling overwhelming and too hard. it Your body doesn't go into panic. Because I think that's what we do is in a way to avoid the panic. We're just like, you'll be fine, or it's it's not that bad, or you do you have a therapist? You know, that's a good question to ask, but not in a panicked way. <laughs> that doesn't make anyone feel reassured about their feelings because I like like I kind of like suicidal thoughts are more common than a lot of us realize you know, like not wanting to be here, feeling like, especially when we live under capitalism and it is just so exhausting and draining every day to be like, are we just living here to work and pay bills so that Elon Musk can be a dumb dumb on Twitter? Like, was this what we're doing? It's hard to be like, what? what how do we go on? Um, and then there are those sort of depression and other issues that affect us that are making that come up in stronger ways, right? Um, I think it's more of a spectrum and I think we need to stop with the divisiveness of us versus them of like these are people with suicidal ideation or suicide problems and these are people who never have them um. <laughs> so yeah, but back to what you were saying with I don't think anyone's trying to be malicious, but it is like trying to build the space for people to be all of who they are because, what I said to you when we were uh, filling out the outline for this episode was depression is not being a sad boy in the corner, which you really enjoyed. Um, (laughs) Because so much of what I saw, not so much, because I do have my algorithm geared towards people who are giving good responses. But a lot of the initial responses I saw were like, he was so happy or I just watched
1: that video. And this is where I want to be a bit personal. I have struggled
0: with suicidal ideation for like 20 years, <laughs> if I am being very honest. Um, and people call me an optimist all the time. You're so happy, you're so resilient, you're so strong, you're so funny. Um, which like boosts my self-confidence baby I'm here for that but also (laughs) a lot of people don't see uh, the moments in which I am absolutely shattered and wondering and do I even deserve to be here you know and (sighs) I did not know that I intended on sharing this on the podcast but it, it does feel relevant to say that the day i right i mean like literally two minutes before my therapy session i found out about the death of dj steven twitch boss and um that was two minutes before i was going into a therapy session to talk to my therapist about creating what is called a safety plan uh, for any of you babies out here who don't know what that is, a safe and not babies in a derogatory way, but babies as in like my babies. Um for any of you who don't know what a safety plan is, it is a plan you make with yourself, a mental health professional, other people to keep yourself safe in the event of uh strong suicidal ideation, uh, tendencies, uh, desires for self-harm, um and my therapist and I made it more of like a as an aftermath for a situation that I was having the weekend prior and then she was like okay well like what are all the things you did you know to keep you moving and like we'll make that into a safety plan so that if that comes up again you know what to do and I'm at the point where I am well resourced and I do have the tools and capacity and the support system because like as soon as I started feeling that way I knew exactly what to do I knew exactly who to reach out to and what to do and that has taken a long fucking time uh and oh I fucking hate talking about vulnerable shit on the podcast but I love it because I think it is important um but yeah so it is to say I look happy and I am happy. I am the most happy I have been in many years, probably 20 years. Um, Like I feel good. My life is good. And I'm still making a safety plan because hey man, sometimes those things just happen to people. Like you can have a brain like that and that is okay. It doesn't make you a them or an us where you can't fit in. And you know, I think a big thing for me specifically has been learning how to talk to the people in my life about it without the reframe of like but I'm okay it's fine everything's going to be fine we're all good because I am very good at that um and then I fall apart in public or in private and I'm like nobody loves me and I am unlovable and it's like okay well then maybe tell your friends who are genuinely trying to help you what you're actually feeling um and that's not a call on anyone else that was like a me thing because I do think in society, we don't know how to talk about it. Um, And now that I am going to have a vulnerability hangover for the next 9 million years, uh, Hien, what do you have to say about depression not being about being a sad boy in the corner?
2: Well, first, Sarah, I just want to say, like, thank you for sharing about that and even sharing about the safety plan thing, because um, I guess now it's my turn to be vulnerable and share about my my mental health journey a little bit. Um, I actually haven't heard that term. I feel like that's something that I work, I worked on in therapy, but I don't think I've heard it said that way of like the safety plan. I think I've heard it more like, oh, you know, like more casually, like, do you know what to do when you're feeling like really down and you're really spiraling and you're wanting to die, kind of thing. Um, I'm like kind of paraphrasing. So I just want to say thank you for like, you know, educating us on that. Because now I feel like when I'm really, really down, I can talk to my therapist about like, hey, <laughs> help me figure out my safety plan a little bit more. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to think about my own suicide ideation because I definitely have, have had experienced that. I think I still do on like the casual level. And I definitely think, you know, you said earlier, Zara, about it being more like a spectrum, not just like either or. Like you're either suicidal or you're not. And then if you are, then like, you're outcast almost or like that's where the strong people suffer because they have to pretend like oh i'm fine it's like no i'm not really fine but like they have to kind of reframe it almost everyone else who has never experienced suicide ideation will get like uncomfortable and so i'm i i'm glad you said that because i kind of feel like that is how i see my own like, mental health journey in that, like, when I was younger, I don't know, close to 10 years ago, like, I was at my lowest point in terms of, like, mental health and feeling very suicidal, and I remember feeling very, like, even though I, like, went to a therapist and everything, I felt like I didn't have, like, a strong support group, of like people in my life who really understood what was going on. And that was when I very felt very much the them versus us. It's like, oh my God, everyone else around me is like so normal in like a good way. Like I, like, it it was very much like, I wish I could be like these people who like never seem to never have this problem and they all seem to be doing so well. I now see that they have just like weird maladaptive coping, (laughs) mechanisms, you know, to like not feel like I, I realize that now, but back then I was like, oh my goodness like there's just something so wrong with me and I just feel like you know my sense of self-worth was like so low because I felt like I'm struggling with such big feelings and I'm wanting to die and everyone else is just cool and that was really hard for me I think when I kind of overcame that part of my life with the help of like therapists and such I think what it came down to was um, to give myself credit of like, okay, I may want to die today, but hey, I, I didn't. Or like last week, I really wanted to die, but I'm still here. And being um just a little bit more, not a little bit more, a lot, it required a lot of self-compassion, which, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm very passionate about that. And that really helped me, but that wasn't necessarily something that I learned in therapy or from my friends and family at that point, it was just something that I think I was just super lucky to come across the resource and like the practices to be more self-compassionate because that helped. That is probably the thing that like, it's probably why I'm still alive. It's just like understanding and trying to cultivate self-compassion in my life. Um, And now I don't think of myself necessarily. I mean, I guess if we were to talk about them versus us kind of either you're suicidal or you're not, I mean, I might say I'm not suicidal in the sense of like, you know, it's not like I'm in crisis all the time. I guess that's what I would say. But like, I try to be honest with myself when I do feel like I want to die, which is <laughs> a lot. Like, I don't necessarily tell my friends all that. But like, for instance, I tell my boyfriend that a lot. Sometimes I'll just be like, I hate it here. I want to end it all. And I always use the emoji emoji of the face that's kind of like the pleading face with like the squirt gun emoji. Like I often do that. And that is just my way to express like, this is just how I feel right now. Um, and I guess just being able to say that, you know, it's, it's such like a small thing, but I feel like being able to express that and him not trying to like reframe it for me of like, you shouldn't feel that way or like what's wrong. And like, cause you know, you know, sometimes it's like, if you tell a friend sometimes and it's like usually a well-meaning friend that you're not feeling OK or feeling down, they get it's almost like you then have to comfort them for their reaction. And it's like, OK, now this is not about me anymore. <laughs> now it's about you and now I need to make you feel less worried about me, um, which is totally not helpful. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, I I think of myself as someone who, like, has those casual thoughts and just being able to express that with like a trusted person in my life and not being told like there's something wrong with you um that makes me feel actually a lot better and not needing like I I don't have to go through with it and I know I'm okay because if I'm willing to tell you I hate it here I want to die I want to end it all then at least I'm telling you instead of scheming and planning how to do it and at least I am reaching out to you and kind of making connection, like a bid for connection versus stonewalling and like isolating myself. Um, but it's interesting, cause I will say, like the other thing I will say is that in the past, and this really was like a hard point in our relationship, I had an ex-boyfriend. I would say that too sometimes or not say that too, but like not exactly those words, but I would express kind of like my casual suicide ideation And he was like, please don't do that. Because I myself tried to commit suicide in the past. And like, it's so triggering for me. Like, I can't listen. And it was just interesting. It's like, oh, so you've someone who's gone through deep depression. But for some reason, you can't hold space for someone else who's struggling and just wants to like, just express it to you. Um, We're not together anymore, (laughs) you know, but it's just kind of interesting to think like, I don't know, just how how that can be sometimes of like oh so then I guess his expectation is that I keep it to myself or talk to my therapist which you know I do but like that I like can't share anything other than I'm so happy to be alive and I just want to be alive all the time it's like no sometimes I don't sometimes I wake up and I'm like oh I woke up again you know and and I just want to be able to like be real with that and express that and I guess like in the process of being able to share that I find so much more healing and helpful than the other shit of like having to reframe it or like being told I can't talk about that at all which it's like counterintuitive now I think about it for someone like him to tell me that he was a white man too I was just keeping it at that so I'll I'll bring it back to Zarna if you have anything you want to say in response um yes I have so much to say in response um
0: first and foremost, I want to say thank you for bringing it back to self-compassion because self-compassion and um, really building my zone of tolerance, like my window of tolerance and uh, my ability to be to regulate has been a thing that's improved my life vastly over the last year. And I want to also mention something about self-worth and how you talked about how that really improved things for you as well because my therapist was talking to me when last session about this obviously um although I do want to add for anyone listening to this podcast Yen and I are well resourced mental health wise um in support and stuff and don't feel like we're on the edge of ending our lives and that's why we feel safe talking about all this with everyone so please don't report us and like we are okay. I mean we wouldn't be talking about this so candidly in this way if we did not have the support but I think I want to say
2: though that is one thing that's also hard for people who may have these thoughts is because how harmful is it to be then reported and taken away from you you know like taken away from your own life and resources if you were to dare say to like the wrong person who takes it the wrong way that oh I'm I'm having suicide ideation. Right. So I just want to also put that out there. That makes it hard for people to Uh, get the support they need.
0: Absolutely. And I will just share a quick story of that did happen to me in middle school as I was self-harming and I had friends who found out who obviously they were children and we didn't have the resources then to deal with this and they wouldn't have had them now either. You know what I mean? And they reported me to school and the school is basically like, admit you're doing it for attention or we're going to have to put you... In a mental, we're gonna have to baker act you like and put you under a psychiatric observation for 72 hours. And I was like, well, I'm obviously not gonna do that. So I guess I'm doing it for attention, Um, which is just like a wild way to handle any sort of mental health crisis, which again makes you feel like you're an outsider and doesn't add to the self worth of the conversation because then you're like, oh my God, I'm doing this for attention. What is wrong with me? You know? (laughs) Um, But I really do want to bring it back to what you were talking about about self worth because my therapist and I were talking and she was like, I need you to understand that it makes sense to your brain that you would go to suicidal ideation because when you're in that space where you're really depressed and your brain isn't talking to each other correctly, right? Your brain stem, your like, amygdala, your prefrontal cortex they're not all communicating so you're it's but your brain is trying to make sense of stuff so like your amygdala that's the one at the base right I'm pretty sure it's your amygdala that's your brainstem so your brainstem I know where it is in the brain I can't remember the proper name for it so the brainstem right that's where your that's the first part of your brain that develops um till age seven and that's all your like primary animalistic stuff. Then you have your limbic system that develops and then you have your prefrontal cortex. But when your brainstem, um, when you are in this state of feeling depressed and feeling suicidal or having suicidal ideation of some level, your brainstem is going, I'm in danger, I'm in danger, I'm in danger, right? And it's thinking there's something wrong and it's also going, I don't have any self-worth, like I'm not worth anything. And so your prefrontal cortex is actually trying to make sense of what that message means. And so your brain is putting out this message of like, no, like when you're in that space, you have you feel like you have no self-worth and you have no value. And so my therapist was like, what is no self-worth plus no value? And I was like, no life, like, <laughs> if you don't feel like you have any worth and you don't feel like you have any value, the rational prefrontal cortex part of your brain is gonna be telling you, of course, I shouldn't be alive. Like, why would anyone who has no purpose and no value and no worth be alive? So that is like your brain trying to make sense of like the panic and the situation going on. Not saying that that makes it any easier, but it did really help me to be like, oh, like, of course my brain goes there that's what makes logical sense to it. And it is just like holding space to find regulation within that and whether that's like distracting yourself. So I will name a couple of the things that are on my safety plan. I'm actually embarrassingly going to pull it up because that's who I am. Um, but I know one of them was playing on my switch, like playing a video game of a turf who will not be mentioned, that I will not buy new versions of, um, and I feel embarrassed to own, but I own
1: it, and it does keep me from wanting to kill myself, so I'm going to use it, <laughs> um, and, oh my god, there's so many fucking messages. I stopped checking
0: my email in 2022, so this is taking more longer than I expected, um, Okay. So one of them was playing my switch, making sure I drink water and eat food. This is a big one for me is making a future plan, whether it's like to have a phone call with someone on Monday, go somewhere and like something that I can plan for that's in the future, painting my nails. I played with kinetic sand a lot. Um, Anything I can do with my hands that's tactile to kind of help my brain stay calm, taking care of my dog, taking my dog out. So like figure out a list for you. It's not like and so this is also and I add it it's like a big piece of it is regulation, right? When in those moments and I'm not saying like that's the one solution to this problem and if everyone just gets regulated, it'll go away. Um but it does help <laughs> give you more space and freedom in those moments to kind of be aware of what's going on as opposed to being stuck in it and as someone who has again for 20 years been dealing with this to finally feel like i have a bit of something is helpful and that leads me back to when people can't talk to you and can't like when people can't hold space for your feelings like it's the co-regulation piece because how like think i think about kids all the time and like okay like when a kid is having a big feeling if you tell that kid, "Hey, shut the fuck up and stop being upset that your crown broke." Does that stop it or does it make it worse? Or and if it if they do stop crying, they're not happy. We now know through lots of research that that child is shutting down inside and learning they have no self-worth and they're learning to regulate in that way where it's like, "I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy," you know? It's like And that's like one specific message. I'm not saying that's it for everyone, but it isn't teaching them like, okay, this is a big feeling and I can manage this big feeling and move through it. It's like, when you have those big feelings, you're wrong. You're bad. You don't belong. And like those, my friends are the very same patterns and feelings that lead to people with suicidal ideation and depression and self-harm thoughts to lead to those actions. because we don't feel like it's okay to feel like that
1: and so instead when if someone shares with you big feelings take a deep breath and just don't be so quick to say let's fix it
0: let's do something about it and just say like i am truly sorry that you're experiencing that right now or i I'm here with you, you know, like there are so many little things you can say to someone. But I think, you know, regulation is a big piece of it. And I do want to touch on your ex-boyfriend story. Um, Sorry, I know I'm going through a lot of things here right now, but I because it leads us back into the next point we wanted to talk about, which is like how. Um, mental health and depression and suicide affects men. And I I think that comes from as a society, we've told men that they don't have feelings. They're not allowed to have feelings. So they don't have the capacity to hold space for their own feelings, let alone other people's feelings. And it just makes me think so much of your ex-boyfriend who's like inability to hold space for his own feelings about suicide. Cause someone definitely told that kid hey, this is fucking bad. Don't do this. You're not allowed to feel this way. And he was like, I don't feel that way anymore. You're not allowed to feel that way because then it makes me feel that way.
2: And it's like, maybe go to therapy, dude. I don't fucking know. Um. No, that's the Okay. So I just want to say what's really fucking wild about this ex-boyfriend story I just brought up is that he actually, and it's like really weird. I'm sure you could analyze it on many levels, but like, like he actually comes off as like the soft, sensitive boy type. That, that's like the really weird thing is like he doesn't he's not he he doesn't come off and his style as a person is not like the hyper masculine dude he he does come off very much like sensitive nerdy I'm a boy and with feelings kind of type um but also it's very much like platitude like he's very shallow because like he'll talk about his own mental health experiences and then he'll be like he is the type of person to say, check on your strong friends. He is the type of person to put out uh, a post linking to like, uh, you know, a crisis hotline. That's the kind of person he is. But anything deeper. So, you know, the type of conversation we've been having where people are pushing back against the notion of like, oh, just go check on your strong friends, right? He's very much that kind of person, though. And it's, it's just kind of like, it's just interesting still, because I think he probably thinks of himself as more evolves than some men like you know the hyper masculine bro who's like I don't believe in mental health problems you know like just go work out like that's kind of like the toxic masculinity thing is like oh just go work out or drink some beer and you're fine or what you know, again like maladaptive coping mechanisms right so he isn't that kind of person but he is very much like the shallow just very shallow way of like thinking about mental health which is just really interesting like because just because there's like so many contradictions there
1: I find that so fascinating because to experience an issue and have no
0: capacity to hold space for another person experiencing the same thing I know men do it every day all the goddamn time but I don't understand it and it does really make me think that we've raised a whole several generation of men not capable, not understanding. I don't want to say capable because that is prescribing something. But I'm not sure they're able to. Or
2: they they haven't they, like practiced their capacity.
0: Yeah, they like, haven't they, practiced they the capacity for empathy. Gotten
2: time to gain the skills to increase the capacity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To so like, and it's and that's it. And so it, it it's like the problem doesn't extend to anyone outside themselves and. Fuck, I wish I, sometimes I write down the name of creators on TikTok when they say something really good or I'll send you the video, but I did not. So um, if I remember, if I
1: find it or if someone listening knows who this is, go ahead and tag them, please. Um, But they were talking about how um, men have the capacity to deal with marginalization
0: so long as it affects them and not any further. Where it is like if you think about Hassan Minaj um, and how he, you know, champions a lot of South Asian issues that people aren't talking about. like he talked about like Modi and he talked about other things that people are not talking about. And yet, if you Google his name and South Asian women, uh, <laughs> a lot of pe- women who worked with him didn't have great things to say about him. Uh, or, and it's like, Oh, okay. So the issue extends, like, you don't see how it affects women. Like there is not, and this isn't like a men hate women, and but it is like a, I do think it's a thing we have socialized men not to do to understand the nuance and complexity of an issue extending to someone who doesn't include them. <laughs> and a lot of cases that is women because, patriarchy I I could get into a longer explanation um
2: yeah yeah I mean I think you're absolutely right about it and it's it's just very interesting you know like I think about it I'm like that's really weird like I should have I should have broken up with him then (laughs) um but I think that was also at a time in my life where I did also not just because of him but because of other people felt like I needed to try to reframe kind of my feelings right of like oh well I guess it's really not that bad like maybe he's right like if it's really that bad I shouldn't just talk about it so casually even though I just told everyone earlier like what 10 20 minutes earlier that like actually I do find it helpful to be able to express myself because again if I'm telling you this to you that I'm feeling this way that's at least me connecting with you instead of isolating and doing it right like saying I want to die is so much more, to me, helpful than actually going and trying to die. That's, like, my personal experiences with it. Um, and, and being able to not have someone freak out at me or, or calling me insensitive to their own, like, suicide ideation or, like, attempts in the past. Like, you know, it's just, like, it's just interesting um, that he, like, lacks so much compassion and I think about it he was such like a performative male feminist type of guy I mean that's what it comes down to is men co-op like women's liberation ideals and you know it's kind of like that the last podcast we talked about right it's it's like they co-op the language around it um but yeah I'll just leave it at that um I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to say because I don't remember what else I wanted to say at this moment at this moment (laughs)
0: Um, yeah, I do want to talk about a bit more about mental health um, for men, specifically Black men and uh, men of color. But first, I need to share a funny thing about men, which is like just a silly anecdote where I commented under a TikTok video the other day, and it, it did pretty well. Like, I got like a hundred plus people liked it, and I've never commented anything where so many men liked it. And it was, like, innocuous. It wasn't about anything, like, it in, It was about, like, Avatar the movie. You know, it wasn't about anything, like, related to sex and gender, or social justice or anything. Uh, and so many men liked it. And I was like, oh, no. Do I need to delete this comment? Because too many men are agreeing with it. Um <laughs> sorry everyone I don't hate men I just genuinely worry when a bunch of them agree with me (laughs) you guys have not proven yourselves well this year um sorry I'm just gonna say it like it is let's talk about fucking Adam Lambert, Prince Andrew, 9,000 other men I don't need to name because we already know they're trash,
2: King Charles of course, King Charles, oh yes, Elon, Kanye,
0: yeah, just garbage monsters all around, man. You guys gotta fucking get it together. Um, <laughs> but uh, contextually, we don't actually hate men on this podcast. We just do like to joke about it because you make it so fucking easy. Um, but I do think, as you we were talking about before, mental health really does affect men in a way that, because of patriarchy, men are not allowed to express their emotions. They're not. They've they've not been taught to have the capacity to hold their own emotions, let alone that of other people. Um, And I will say a lot of the people who I did see write things about Twitch that were like, so positive man,
1: uh, were men. Uh, (laughs) Because he seems happy. Uh, But I do think
0: specifically around Twitch as he was, a very outwardly facing, quote unquote, happy person and a black man, I do think it is important to talk about the way uh, mental health and depression affects black men and men of color uh, who specifically black men are uh, not parentified, like adultified as young boys. So it's like an eight-year-old black boy as soon as a man charged as an adult. Of course, that little boy is not gonna feel safe to say I'm feeling sad. I read, I read the saddest comment on Reddit. That was like, I, when I was a little boy, I was writing a suicide letter. My mom found the beginning of it. And I was talking about how I was depressed and I wasn't allowed to be because black people don't get depressed.
1: And my mom, And my stepdad made fun of me for six months about it. And I understand there's a lot of
0: nuance in that conversation that isn't for me to like discuss and understand. But I do want to say like, these are people's experience, like this is a real experience someone had where I don't feel even safe to tell my parents, you know, because I mean, I grew up, I don't know if you grew up this way, but like my parents were like, depression is a white American person thing. This is not a thing you have.
2: Um, oh my gosh, Azara, I was like <laughs> thinking about just the conversation we were having at points. I did think about how my own family thinks of mental health and depression. And I didn't want to go there because, and I don't mind that we're going there now, but I didn't want to go there because they're just so harmful. They were so harmful, are still harmful, their views on Mental health, mental illness, depression—that I was like, I don't even want to go there because it's like, well, of course I had all the problems I had growing up with parents like that.
0: (laughs) Um, I am, yeah, I am not joking. My when I was out of town, once my dad installed lights in my home that I mean they are insane fluorescent bulbs. Anyone who comes to my house is like, these are too bright. Why do you have these? And my dad put them in because he said the bright lights will keep you from getting depressed lots of windows lots of lighting is going to keep you from getting depressed and it's like I appreciate and this was like many years of battling depression at this point you know what I mean It, it wasn't like it was the first time and he was just like oh I'll get her lights it will be good it was many years of saying this isn't a thing and eventually come to the point of like well we can fix it with the lights and it's like you're genuinely really trying and I appreciate that but there are a lot of other things you're doing that are deeply harmful to the situation that are not helping and I don't know that the lights actually help that much at the end of the day Um, (laughs) so it's like we come from these cultures we come from different backgrounds where therapy is thought of as a white American thing it's not for us quote unquote it's for lazy people it's for rich people it's for weak people, you know, and these are a lot of, and all of these, you won't be able to hear the air quotes that I put around all of those words I'm realizing now, but I did put air quotes around all of those terms because those are not real things in regards to mental health. Um, Lazy also doesn't exist. Dr. Devin Price wrote a book about it. It's called Laziness Doesn't Exist, Does Not Exist. Check it out.
1: Um, But it's we talk about not having a safe space and I think it's even worse
0: for men because I don't know a lot of men who talk to their guy friends about mental health or about feeling sad or like, and I think it's getting better now. I genuinely think there is more space for There is more space for these conversations, but
1: with the, the stereotypes of, Black men being aggressive or, I don't know.
0: I think about how South Asian men a lot of times are called creepy. Um, Oh, this creepy Indian guy in my DMs, you know? Uh, Where it's like those, if you're constantly being told that there's something wrong with you for expressing any level of emotion, what makes you think that when someone like DJ Twitch was experiencing... (laughs) mental health he would have felt safe talking to the outside world about it it's i got to keep dancing i got to keep smiling i got to keep moving because then people will still accept me but other than that people will vilify me put me in the corner say that i'm not a man which is such a fucking harmful statement um yeah i don't know han do you have anything to say about mental health and black men and men of color
2: yeah, you know, I feel as if something I've observed with, I guess, more generally speaking, like people of color, cultures and mental health is that I think sometimes the parents will not, they might see what is a problem, but then they'll say that that isn't their people's problem. It's like white people's problem or it's just like, that's just not our problem uh, be. Or if it is a problem, then, you know, it's, it's like something that we'll try to fix with, like you said, either lights or like just, oh, just get on medication. That's it. Right. Or, or what like like the quick fix kind of behavior. Yes. Um. I think that, I think they do that thinking that from their point of view, I feel as if they mean it to be empowering for us, the people suffering. Like, I think in their minds, it's like, oh, like if we just, try to fix the problem fast or say there's no problem then there's no problem you're you're strong enough right you're strong enough to just not have obstacles in life because of your mental health like they think of it like that but then it's like the the opposite is true where it's like no it's actually really harmful that you're not giving me the resources and help that you're not willing to expand your capacity to hold feelings for me because you're thinking that I could just be quote strong or normal, I'm doing air quotes like uh, the uh, like other people, but that's just not the reality. And you're actually harming me by not like accepting the truth or like seeing reality for what it is. And so I kind of see it like that, where it's like, I think they mean well. I think they mean well to say like, oh, that's not a problem for you. That's not the problem for us and people like us. But it's like, no, no, it is, and you're making it worse. Like, thanks for perpetuating trauma for me, even though you're trying to tell me I can like brush past it. like it's not like that.
1: You mean
0: the bootstraps methodology, but for mental health.
2: Yeah, right. No, that's exact no, that's exactly it though. Like that shit is just so real. Just from like just from knowing different friends of colors and like just different cultures from people of color that I've befriended and hearing about their own mental health and what their family thinks, that's like the general theme that I've seen is like like, bootstraps mentality, but for mental health thinking that it's empowering but actually super harmful. And
0: yes, absolutely, that's it. And I do want to add that a lot of
2: specifically immigrant
0: cultures have this ideal and sort of like path to dealing with mental health. And I recognize that a lot of it is from situations where they were in survival mode, where it was like, well, if you don't find a way to keep going, you will actually die. Um which is like, obviously, of course, true here and everywhere. But it's almost like, and this is where I struggle, where people say, oh, we have the privilege to be depressed and think about our mental health. Um, Because it is a privilege where, I mean, my dad remembers when he moved into a building with running water, you know, (laughs) like, I understand I have an immense privilege. And I recognize that it wouldn't have been accessible to them necessarily to have the skills and the things around the mental health. We also just like didn't know about it then. Um, so who's to say if they had had the information to it that they wouldn't also have been like, oh yeah, I might be struggling in poverty, but I'm also, you know, clinically depressed. So it, that part of it makes me wonder. And then it, it, I I, don't know, I recognize it and I feel empathy and sympathy towards that reality that it is a privilege and then I also feel like I don't know man doesn't feel
2: like a privilege to be like please don't fucking blow your brains out (laughs) no I get you on that and I it's interesting because the way I see it is, I just see it as trauma I mean okay they might not have said I have ptsd um, or that they are depressed or anxious, they may not use those words. But like, that doesn't mean it's not that like, it doesn't mean that their nervous systems have been so like, dysregulated for so long, you know, like, it doesn't mean that just because there wasn't a word or understanding or framework doesn't mean it wasn't what it was. And I think like, a lot of, I'm thinking for my own family, and probably other immigrant families, it's like, I think there's like a level of just like really high coping skills and like, like survival skills of just coping. It's like, and, and so, but it's still like trauma. Like I, I still, like, I think about like my mom and my grandparents and like my mom's siblings, like my aunts and stuff. And like, they probably all have CPTSD. They wouldn't ever go get that diagnosed or think about it, but like I mean, how could you not if you like live through poverty and war and like were so fearful of your life and then like became refugees and like moved countries just like that? Like, how could there not be trauma, you know, and I and I think like there is, but it's just like the way they learn to deal with it is different than how we're dealing with our own traumas that come up from like being in a. I guess, more privileged world, you can say. But like, to me, it's like trauma is trauma. (laughs) That's, that's just kind of how I think about it. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, I think it's become your trauma responses become so ingrained at those points, you know what I mean? Where it is like, no, this is just how you deal with it. And it's like, no, baby, that's a trauma response. You don't you don't need to hoard every single plastic bag you've ever come across in your entire life and keep them under the kitchen sink. I understand that we can reuse them, but also you get five every time you go to the grocery store. I live in Florida, man. We have a plastic problem here. I don't want to talk about it. But you get what I mean is like that like to some extent that trauma response of holding on to all those plastic bags is good because like a lot of us know you can reduce reuse cycle you can use them as trash trash bags you can put stuff in them you can carry stuff blah 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 but at a certain point it's like okay do I need to hold on to all of these or is this just such an ingrained trauma response that I won't be able to get any later so I need to like it's hoarding you know what I mean like immigrant people fucking hoard shit because you grew up not knowing where the stuff was going to come. So You're like, okay, I guess we'll keep these 15 empty shortbread containers. And one of them will be a sewing kit. And one of them will have bills in it. And one of that, you know what I mean? One of them. No, I know what you mean. That is so
2: funny. It's like universal keeping the shortbread containers. Yeah. Right. To put in your random shit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to put in the sewing supplies and then other random shit. No, that's like so real. I think that's so funny. (laughs) Like Across cultures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, And so I don't know. I I don't know where you want to go from here. I kind of feel like there is. I feel like there is no solution and a bunch of solutions if that makes sense, in the sense where, I mean, like, we're not here trying to say we're going to fix suicide, you know, but it's kind of like, I see so many possibilities of how things could get better, in terms of like, how we talk about mental health, and how we lend support for each other. But then I also see, like, given the world we live in, like, it's probably more likely none of this is going to change, or that the change is going to go super slow, because I'm only starting to see the talk about, um, how we talk about people who like, you know, DJ Twitch suicide, like how we talk about it afterwards. I'm only. this is the first time I'm seeing that conversation. Not that it wasn't happening before, but this is where it's like, I'm more aware of the conversations where it's like kind of pushing back like that. Oh, he was so happy. And like, he was married and he had kids or, you know, whatever. And it kind of makes me kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to, like, it's good and bad.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I didn't mute my unmute myself. <laughs> Doing good, everyone. Um. Yeah. No. I. I'm gonna give myself a second and remember what you said. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I. I do think there is. Some pushback happening in these
0: conversations or it is changing the conversation and I don't think it's about like I uh, want to use that Jamaica quote from the episode where she says
1: I'm really just pulling all the quotes today and I'm like going through notes to do so um I didn't use my notes for literally every single thing I do. I think a lot of it
0: is like this. It's not that people are denying there's a problem. I think we all agree that there is some sort of problem. The exact root cause of that problem and how to fix it is where we differ, and it's okay to differ in plans because there are different ways, there are different there's many different ways as there are people to solve the problem. And I think it's not about the one solution. <sighs> um But I do think it is, I do think a big part of it is having people like us, people who actually deal with these issues publicly, regularly, not that one time when that one guy broke up with you and you had a few days, you know, and so you get it and you want to talk to people about it. I appreciate that. I really do. I think you might have something to add to the conversation as well, Um, but I, I really think people who have sat on the ledge for a really long time and wondered, should I just swing right over? You have a voice in this conversation. Um, However you have stayed alive, why ever you have stayed alive, share that with people because it's a fucking miracle. You are a goddamn miracle. If you are listening to this and you have ever struggled with suicidal ideation and depression or self-harm or anything of these natures, you being here is a goddamn miracle. And we are so fucking grateful for you. I'm sure there are other people in your life who are also grateful for you. And I think one way we move forward is people like us having these conversations and saying, look, there's a lot of times when I'm actually not okay. I tried to say that without breaking in my voice, but it was not possible. I am tearing up because sometimes I'm really not okay. And that's okay. Um, But finding the support and the people and really all of us having these conversations, I think that not the solution, but I think it opens up the door for
1: us to all come to collective and individual solutions.
2: Zara, that was so well said. Um, Thank you so much for that. I, I don't think that there's much I can add on to it because I think you're absolutely right. And I do think that I, I you know what I do think that people like us should talk more about what keeps us alive um, I do think that because um I I do think it is important to actually hear from the people who go who are going through it themselves versus just hear from the people who are like platitudes 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 or, or you know people like that ex I told you about who like went through it but like doesn't have it in him to like hear about it from other people or support other people through it um and so yeah I just want to say thank you for what you shared today and uh, having this be um the topic that we were so excited to talk about on your birthday
0: um
2: hell yeah because
0: if you had asked me many years ago if I thought I would have made it to 32 I would have said no um and yeah i I'd love to say it's not even a question of whether I'll make it to 33, but like truly I'm scared of what the universe has in store for everyone all the time now. So I won't make like grand sweeping statements like that, but you know, I'm hoping that 32 comes around in a good way. Um, so yeah, thank you all for letting us talk about this and Hian for letting us have this space and for, I don't want to say indulging me when I have these ridiculous wins, but for always being game to be emotionally vulnerable on the internet. Thank you, Ian, and and for being my partner in all of this. Um, Yeah, thank you all, and I know the holidays are fucking a nightmare all the time, and winter is a hard time, so if you're listening to this, I don't want to just drop a hotline, but 988 is the uh, suicide hotline, and if you personally are not suicidal but you know someone who is call that hotline ask them they have actual resources how can I support my friend how can I help my friends because this isn't a problem we solve on our own it's community and it's people and it's building support system so um
1: we love you hold everyone in your life close
0: um yeah we'll see you next year
2: Thank you. I love you, Zara. And I love everyone who listens to us. So bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. For bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at thoughtful revolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening.